and welcome once again to another episode of Superhero Stuff You Should Know. I am once again the man who knows too much about Batman back in the driver's seat. This is Ben, and with me are... My word, it's Beppo. I mean me, Andrew. What's going on, everybody? <laughs> <laughs> and it's me, Zacatavius, ready to hear about all those nasty ne'er-do-wells that took out Thomas and Martha in our favorite subject... Yes. The death of the Waynes. Yes, yes. So today, as we've brought up, we asked the question, do you know the many killers of the Waynes? This episode occurred to me because we have an episode on the different versions of Robin's origin. We have the, the different episodes on Cyborg's origin, the Justice League's origin, but not different versions of Batman's origin so much. And you might have to wonder how many different variations could there be. We constantly see this shit all the time with... The Waynes walking out of the theater, going down the wrong alley, somebody shoots them. But there are different variations to what happened. This episode specifically is on the killers. We know in the comics that their killer was Joe Chill. Or was it Jack Napier? Or was it the killer who <laughs> was never caught? I we need find out one answer, this weird ben. history. Yes. <laughs> there Comic is... book fans need the one <laughs> single answer. I know. Even though there's a multiverse and a million yeah. different versions. So we get this kind of weird history and almost a weird connection between the two killers as well of Joe Chill and the Joker. And I don't think anyone's really seen the connection until what we're going to bring about here. So like previous episodes, we are sticking with main continuity and adaptations and variations on the murder itself. So no Elseworlds, no Flashpoint, and it's mostly on the murderers. I originally included a lot of other stuff in terms of the different details but that just got too long, and so we're saving all that for the evolution of Wayne murders in the future Patreon episodes. We're not so, covering speeding bullets. We are not covering speeding bullets, we're not covering okay. Flashpoint, any of that type of stuff. So None of that shit. Nope. So, so get used to it, everybody. Yes. Let us begin, shall we? <laughs> Classic moment here. 1939, the very first origin of the Batman origin, was published as a prologue to the story The Batman Wars Against the Dirigible of Doom in Detective Comics number 33. The issue is by Gardner Fox, but the origin part is, of course, written by Batman's creator himself, Bill Finger, with pencils by Bob Kane, and letters and background inks by Sheldon Moldoff. One fateful night, as we see here, the Wayne family encounters a mugger who demands Martha Wayne's necklace, and Thomas tries to fight back, and both of Bruce's parents are shot right in front of his very eyes. Bruce, however, is spared. And so, since the killer is never caught, Bruce makes a vow to avenge his family by fighting crime. Pretty straightforward. Now, we know the two killers we're discussing today are Joe Chill and the Joker, but before we get into them, let's discuss the history of people Bruce suspected of being the killer, who turned out to be innocent. Uh, so, let's go down the list of suspects, starting with the time that uh, Bruce thought it was the Zodiac Killer. Bet you weren't expecting that. <laughs> oh, Makes <man>. sense. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, I feel like maybe two or three people watching have read this comic, and yes, that is Clark Kent, a.k.a. Superboy, in this comic next to him. Oh, shit. I'll read the panel as Bruce, as Zach will read as Superboy. The thief who slew my parents must have been the Zodiac Killer, and for that, he'll pay with his life. Bruce, you've got to forget about revenge. No man should be the judge, prosecutor, and jury. I'm above the law. <laughs> Notice he doesn't say executioner, which is interesting given what happens later. But anyway, what the hell is the story? 
This is a Superboy issue, Superboy number 182 from 1972, uh, called The Forging of Young Batman, written by Leo Dorfman, pencils by Bob Brown, and inks by Murphy Anderson, and it is the first instance I could find of young Bruce Wayne trying to investigate and track down the killers of his parents before he became Batman. In a previous Superboy adventure many years ago, thanks to a device that allows Clark to look into the future and across time, <laughs> Superboy is able to see that Bruce Wayne is going to grow up into becoming Batman. Cut to this issue then, Superboy 182, and Superboy meets Bruce right after his parents are killed. Upon- I need the review of this uh, this <laughs> issue, Ben. This looks like a this looks like a nine out of a ten. What do you, what do you think? It is amazing. Uh, it is it's one of the. It's one of the issues that like nobody has read, and yet you read it and you're just like, what a mindfuck this is in seeing this. <laughs> so, so it's a recommendation from you. Re- recommended just for how crazy it is, yeah. So, <laughs> Okay, I love that. That's I'll, awesome. I'll sum up some of it, but uh, Bruce's parents are killed, and then when he goes back to the crime scene, he overhears two Gotham City police cops talking about how the Waynes were killed under the sign of Sagittarius, and that means that a serial killer named the Zodiac Killer is responsible. No relation to the real Zodiac Killer from a few years earlier in the late 60s. I mean, but, there's always a fucking Zodiac going <laughs> yeah. on at some, like, any day of the week, yeah. any night of the week. So, uh, okay, it's comic book logic at this yeah, time. But, yeah, I guess it's just, like, yeah. s- under a specific sign, but that means then that he's doing, the killer's doing this every month, I guess? Anyway, uh, Bruce is determined to get revenge and goes out to track down the culprit, and Superboy helps Bruce create a costume for him. But it's not a bat suit. Let's take a look at this getup here. So Bruce is in like what looks like a purple leotard with uh, trunks on the outside as usual, a cape and a cowl with no ears on it. So it's uh, kind of like a, a mixture between <laughs> Bob Kane's original design for Batman and the Batman that we all know and love. Yeah, it is. It's like a cross between like them. Just needs a little bit more red. You know mm-hmm. what's the what's the uh, year on this again? 1972. 72. Oh, this is way after Bill Finger's initial shit. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, see, everyone clicking on this thinks we're just going to talk about the standard Joe Chill shit. I decided to mix things up. So here we have Superboy helping Bruce select a costume. Superboy nicknames him Batlad, and Bruce calls himself though the Executioner. <laughs> so, <laughs> We talked about this in our Batman training timeline uh, video, but this is actually the third costume persona that Bruce takes on as a boy during his training. Uh, First was Robin in Detective Comics 226, as well as the Flying Fox in Adventure Comics 275, which is how he first met Clark in Smallville. Mm. So uh, anyway, later on during this investigation, Superboy and the Executioner (laughs) find out that the Zodiac (laughs) Killer is actually non-existent it's a work of fiction created by a reporter to sell papers uh so bruce is disappointed in this and uh superboy is like shame on you bruce for basically trying to go almost too far in his crusade so bruce hangs up the cowl of the executioner not knowing that one day he will don a much different costume and help clark in his war on crime so didn't know there's going to be a, a world's finest crossover episode but it looks are. sort of like fucking magneto to me <laughs> this, this this suit the colors it's, are close the cape is close yes. the, yeah. it's it's weird and mm. it's also the cover is misleading i expected him to be in a, right. a little batman costume just like that right yeah because he in the cover it's him in kind of the batman costume with no bat insignia on his right. chest but in the blue and gray with no cowl so 
that's what you kind of expect, but instead they throw you this wild shit of the executioner outfit. <laughs> it's kind of hilarious. So anyway, <laughs> that is when Bruce thought it was the Zodiac Killer. Let's go into the next suspect, which is Wayne Enterprises. Hmm. So, uh, okay. We talked about this in the 1999 Bruce Wayne unmade pilot called Bruce Wayne, but uh, the Iron Giant writer Tim McCanley's wrote a pilot to a show called Bruce Wayne that was basically written even before Smallville was created in terms of a prequel centering around an 18-year-old Bruce Wayne who returns to Gotham from his travels but spends years in his home city before donning the cape and cowl, which, if you think about it, actually does kind of lot, make a lot more sense compared to the other versions where it's just like, Bruce Wayne is back. Also, there's this weird Batman around. So <laughs> no, no coincidence whatsoever. Maybe, <laughs> maybe they were onto something. Uh, through the story, Bruce finds himself in a rivalry with Wayne Corp executive Charles Palantine, named after the politician Charles Palantine in Taxi Driver, which is why he has a picture here for anybody who was wondering why the hell this guy's in this picture. Uh, so uh, Alfred believes that Charles Palantine is trying to kill Bruce before his 18th birthday in the pilot so that he can have the company to himself and shares his own suspicions that Wayne Corps and Palantine were behind the deaths of Thomas and Martha Wayne. Uh, while the pilot was never produced, the concept of exploring a young Bruce Wayne, as well as suspecting the Wayne Enterprises board of being behind the murder, all this stuff is fully realized in the Fox show Gotham, set over a decade later, where this other pick of the Wayne board is from. So that's when the Wayne Enterprises execs were the likely suspects. Let's go into possibly the least likely suspect, Metallo. What? <gasps> yep. So... <laughs> Oh my god, okay. In 2003. Sure. <laughs> Jeff Loeb's first story arc for Superman, Batman, Public Enemies. This is not in the Superman, Batman, Public Enemies uh, movie, but in the comic with art by Ed McGinnis and inks by Dexter Vines, Batman finds evidence that links the Wayne murders to a criminal named John Corbin before he became the Superman villain Metallo. He finds out that Corbin was in Gotham during the time of his parents' deaths and that he used to carry the same kind of gun that killed them. So, he starts suspecting that Metallo killed his parents. Later, of course, we discover that this is not true. The evidence was faked by President Lex Luthor as a part of a trap for Batman. But could you imagine just how much of a mindfuck that would be? It's just like, you've been looking in the wrong city all along, Batman. He's been in a metropolis. I so. kind of remember <laughs> that from reading the comic now that you mention it. But um, mm -hmm. Lex yeah. Luthor's plan to... Uh, make super make batman fight in that one is a little bit simpler than pp jar likes is in batman versus <laughs> Superman. <laughs> it's very well, true most things very are true. uh one thing i do love about the storyline though is this detail that jeff Loeb adds so you can see in the video version the beginning of the superman batman arc shows a flashback of the killer's face hidden in the shadows thanks to that sort of newsboy hat that he wears in mm -hmm. a lot of different interpretations batman says in the text that he uh Bruce was inspired to use the shadows just like the killer used the shadows to hide his face. So he uses the shadows against the criminal element just like the, the killer used to. And that's why I always love this idea and also why I prefer the killer to sort of have the, the newsboy hat that you see in the comics but you never really see in the live action versions. So That's a very interesting yeah. little addition to, mm -hmm. to, the, to the story. It's, mm -hmm. it's not just let's do some ninja shit. Let's, it's... Mm -hmm. it's uh, <laughs> 
uh, he has uh, you know this emotional attachment to the shadows yeah. you know yeah it's, yeah so much of the you know what he becomes is based around this moment in his life that he can never stop replaying so of course there would be certain elements that batman sort of exists as a response to mm-hmm. i think and so i really right. love the idea of you know he says quote i cloak myself in the very shadows the gunman used to hide his face from me uh, and that very sentence when i first read it i was just like i love that i, I just hands down i love that that to me that's canon poetry so, yeah <laughs> so put it in the bible yes <laughs> uh the next suspect is i know one of andrew's favorites the court of owls oh hell yeah it's yes. better than hush Yes, it is. <laughs> I will concede that now, actually. <laughs> I gotcha. But I do believe it. Yes. No, I also believe that, too. Uh, anyway, uh, the storyline revealed that a young Bruce Wayne had heard about the Court of Owls as a kid and attempted to investigate them in connection to his parents' murders. His search led to a dead end, however, and nearly got him killed when he found himself trapped in a place called Harbor House. Uh, we dove into the Court of Owls recently in our Patreon, where we discussed Batman vs. Robin and compared it to the Court of Owls arc in the comics. So check that out if you're not already part of the $5 tier. But anyway, uh, let's go into the next suspect, uh, the Penguin. Though, hmm. specifically the Penguin in Batman Earth 1, written by Jeff Johns, pencils by Gary Frank, inks by Jonathan Seibel, colors by Brad Anderson, and letters by Bob Lee. This one added This Penguin looks like it. he might not he might have consensual sex. <laughs> the other ones, I'm not sure. Hey, people have all kinds of fetishes. And he's true. also the know. mayor in this. He's also in a position of power in this compared to the the you know the traditional version where he's kind of more of an outcast uh, criminal or mob boss in this. So this one's got fingers. Yeah, that too. <laughs> as opposed to the I don't see the any French flipper trip. Yes. The French flipper man. <laughs> So, uh, like the unmade Tom Mankiewicz Batman script that we covered in our most popular episode, the Batman script from 1982, Thomas Wayne is running for public office years ago. And like in Todd Phillips' Joker film, he's running for mayor. And around the time of his death, his political rival is none other than Oswald Cobblepot himself. So, uh, in the Jeff Johns version of the murder, uh, they go to the Mark of Zorro as usual. However, a random electrical outage prevents the movie from ever being shown so bruce does not actually end up getting to see the movie just to make his night even worse (laughs) at least in the other versions he got to see the movie and then his parents get killed and this one he doesn't even get to see it so uh young bruce rushes out to the back exit so he can get to another theater to see the same movie and there he runs into this random man in a hoodie who's like watch where you're going and bruce is just like you know i'm i'm the son of some of the richest people in gotham and the guy stops and he turns and he's like you're the wayne kid and he sees an opportunity and uh, he grabs bruce taking him hostage as thomas and martha come out and we get the standard scene where he ends up shooting both of them and uh, taking martha's pearl necklace so years later bruce suspects that this was a hired hit that the man in the alley uh, was a hitman, and so he suspects that Oswald Cobblepot, now the mayor, was behind it. In his confrontation with Penguin, Cobblepot reveals that he wanted to kill the Waynes and even had a corrupt cop on his payroll cut the power to the theater, which is why there was an outage in the first place. However, since Bruce had his parents leave through a different exit, Cobblepot, Cobblepot's men could not get to them, and the real killer did. So, it wasn't him. Now to the last suspect who turned out to be innocent. Here's another wild one. Uh, Poison Ivy's dad. 
So, in 2014's Gotham, the pilot, uh, the Waynes are killed in the pilot, and the GCPD's first suspect is Mario Pepper, father of future Poison Ivy in the show. Uh, during a chase scene, Harvey Bullock shoots and kills Mario to save Gordon's life, but Gordon later finds out that Mario was actually set up by mob boss Carmine Falcone. Falcone deliberately framed Mario so that a killer would be caught because the Waynes are these famous well-to-do people, and Falcone wanted to give off the impression to the city that the cops are doing their jobs. Falcone Mm -hmm. cares because to him, organized crime can't exist without law and order. Otherwise, there'll be chaos, which is exactly what's going to happen to the city in a few years uh but anyway that was when poison ivy's dad was a possible suspect so to recap we had uh zodiac killer wayne enterprises metallo the court of owls the penguin and poison ivy's dad but let's go into the real culprit who we're all here to talk about joe chill uh almost 10 years after co-creating Batman, Bill Finger returned to the origin in a story literally called The Origin of Batman in Batman number 47 in 1948 and expanded on this further with pencils by Bob Kane, inks by Charles Paris, and letters by Ira Schnapp. And this is very interesting. I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts on this. Uh, it says that Joe Chill shot Thomas Wayne, and that's it. It says, quote, that single bullet really killed two people for Martha Wayne's weak heart <laughs> stopped from the sudden shock. So I've read this. <laughs> he did not actually shoot Martha in this version. Uh, this also from sounds, Bill Finger. I mean, is this post the time whenever uh, Joe Schuster died, or was it Siegel? I always forget. From uh, the supermarket. Uh, I mean, I would uh, think robbery. so because this is well after Superman. Batman I in mean, general is after e- Superman. E- everybody in DC is at the in the know about that, so. Maybe, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that could be it. I could mean, also be like a comics code thing, you know, where they're just like, we don't want to see women get shot in the comics. So they're just like, all right, well, she still uh, needs to die in the backstory. So what if she died this way instead of like getting violently gunned down? So maybe that's it, what it I was. Mean, what, health-wise, also, I mean, generally, men are the ones who die from a heart attack. So that part, that sticks out to me a little bit. But mm-hmm. um I don't think this is a. This is not a. It's not bad. You know, it's yeah, fine. No, no. What it's uh, year did this edition. come out? Uh, Nineteen forty-eight. Okay, that's before the Comics Code Authority. Uh, that's true. Kind of ruined things. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's the reason why. Maybe it was just. But a it could choice. also. Ju- yeah, it just could be editing choice because even before Comics Code Authority, there was still that mandate in 1940 or so, where they're just like Batman can't kill people anymore. Yeah. You have it to may have just, announced that. It may have been like a choice in taste. Mm-hmm. I do think that it's not as good as the uh, as good as Joe Chill actually shooting her as well. Right. I think it's important that like he both of his parents are killed by this right. act of violence rather than mm-hmm. like the Martha like seeing it and the strain on her heart and all this mm-hmm. stuff. That's yeah, kind of takes away from it a little bit. I agree. I agree. Uh, and we also get the addition of this scene of the aftermath where Bruce stares and glares at Joe Chill with sort of these haunting, accusing eyes that will stick with Joe Chill for the rest of his life. So uh, this is also the introduction in general to Joe Chill. There had never been any identification of the Wayne killer until this issue in 1948. Uh, so in the present day storyline, Batman and Robin later 
end up finding out about Chill, and Batman recognizes him and eventually confronts him and reveals mm-hmm. his true identity as Bruce Wayne in order for Chill to realize that he created the Batman. Uh, so Chill then goes off and does something stupid. <laughs> he goes off and he <laughs> basically confesses to everyone, hey, I created Batman. And they're just like, you created the guy who locked all of us up? So uh, <laughs> they turn on him and shoot him to death. So yeah, that's, That seems one of the animated movies, right? It's actually in Batman Brave and the Bold, Andrew. Is it? Oh, yeah, yeah I saw, I've seen that episode. It's a fantastic yeah. one, yeah. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Chill of the Night, written by Paul Dini mm-hmm. in Batman the Brave and the Bold, though it replaces these random criminals with the actual rogues gallery. Super villains, yeah. Better. <laughs> uh, and the one who actually does kill Joe Chill is not the any of the super villains, but probably, as implied, the Spectre. So the uh, <laughs> I think this is an interesting way out, because Bill Finger's like, we can't have Batman kill the guy who killed his parents. Mm-hmm. But we got to have some closure somehow. So he decided he gets his just desserts from the you know the bullets of other criminals. Where it's like that's it's way okay. more interesting too. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's uh, than Batman I killing mean, him. Yeah, you think it, it, you have an expectation that Batman might do something or or whatever, and then mm-hmm. and then this happens. It's it just kind of throws you for a loop, and and it, it, but at the same time makes total sense. So yeah, yeah, this is this is a, a good one. This is a yeah. writers trying to. Um, tackle the hurdles that they have you know i think Mm -hmm. is what it feels like to me yeah yeah the limitations it is a classic story one of the one of my favorites in terms of like the old school golden age silver age type things so uh this is bill finger expanding on the origin and it turns out he wasn't done let's go to 1956 so 1956 bill finger is back in an issue called the first batman (laughs) Detective Comics 235, (laughs) art by Sheldon Moldoff and inks by Stan Kay. It's called the first Batman because the first Batman is Thomas Wayne. So Thomas (laughs) Wayne... Some flashpoints to man. The coloring, too, makes him look like he's nearly naked. It is a little gray. (laughs) For those listening... (laughs) Why are you shying away, son? (laughs) Explain it, uh, I'm just just wearing a strong... Yeah, for those people listening, it's the, I guess, the dot coloration. It doesn't make Thomas Wayne's bodysuit look gray. He looks like he is standing there with swim trunks on, a (laughs) utility belt, giant wings protruding from his back, and a kind of like Wolverine-ish domino mask. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Which is kind of based off of, I think, the original 1939 Batman costume. Yeah. In a way, yeah. Yeah. So... Anyway, he's called the first Batman because he wore a bat suit to a party once. Uh, but it's more than that. At that party, mobsters actually showed up and took him because they needed a doctor to operate on their boss, Lou Moxon. This criminal named Lou Moxon, notorious criminal, they needed somebody to treat him. So Thomas treats the wound but knows that they're not going to let him out alive. So he, in a bat suit, fights off the criminals and later te- testifies against Moxon, making him the first Batman, of course. Uh... Here, Chill is retconned to be named uh, Joey Chill and as a hired gun working for nope. Moxon uh, as a hitman. Joe so. is better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Chill is also, as we can see in the video version of this, Chill is murdered by the mob before Batman can even get to him, which sort of retcons Batman number 47. Uh, we would end up seeing combinations of Batman 47 and this story in the Untold Legend of the Batman as well as the mm-hmm. Chill of the Night episode we were talking about earlier. 
But uh, it's also explained that in this version, since Joe Chill was a hitman, he deliberately left Bruce Wayne alive so that Bruce could testify that this was a random mugging and not a hit on the family orchestrated by Lou Moxon. This explains why Chill doesn't shoot Bruce in any of the versions. You know, he kills Thomas and Martha. Why doesn't he kill the kid? Now, maybe some of that is due to you just don't kill kids. Uh, yeah, that's, 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 what I always, that's how I've always taken it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. in this version, it's a deliberate choice. It's a strategy. Um, so anyway, in the present day, Bruce's main Batman costume gets destroyed in a fight with Moxon's men, so he dresses up in his father's Batman costume to visit Lou Moxon. Lou Moxon sees him and believes that the ghost of Thomas Wayne has come back to haunt him, and terrified, he flees and runs straight into a truck that runs him over. <laughs> so oh, man. that's the I end love of that. him. Uh, Lou Moxon would return later on in different versions. He'd return in post-crisis continuity as a potential suspect to the Wayne murders, and they added a whole thing where his daughter was a childhood friend of Bruce's. So that's interesting, but we're not going to get think, too much into that. Do you think before he got hit by the truck... He said, I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you. <laughs> and then he just, wham, just <laughs> runs him over. <laughs> he does say, Moxon, look out for that truck in the, that, in the actual That's comic, true. But maybe you that know, was just, uh, that's just lip service. He's just standing behind being like, that, that truck, you know, so in case anybody sees that I'm trying to save you, but I'm really not. I'm just standing back here. <laughs> I was just thinking, Andrew, by your logic, Joe Chill should be the first Mr. Freeze. With a last name like Chill, I feel like... Uh, <laughs> oh, yes, that's you know, true. It's mm-hmm. fate for yes. him. Yes. It's it's interesting they chose Chills just because it's it's he's a chilling murderer I guess, kind of yeah. thing. That's his mob name. But do they or do they pass it off like that's his real name? In the, in the, uh... It depends on the version. It depends okay. on the version, yeah. But for now, he's just Joe Chill. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Because we're still in Golden Age when yeah. Joe Chill yeah. comes up. Though we are going to skip forward to the 80s in kind of a mind fuck of a story where Batman teams up with Joe Chill and starts using guns. So, <laughs> great. Uh, 1987. <laughs> You've read Kane's this one, right? Favorite, dude. Yeah, yeah, I've got the whole the trade paperback of yeah. uh, year 2. <laughs> yeah, same here. So this is Batman year 2, not year 1, but year 2, not by Frank Miller but by Mike Barr. And Mike Barr year, does this. Year one was absolute hell. <laughs> need to make it easier with this pistol. <laughs> Why wasn't I doing this earlier? I f- <laughs> fuck not using a gun. This is fucking way easier. <laughs> Don't have to worry about them breaking out of Arkham this way. I'll put. Yeah. It's hard to break out of a morgue. Ha <laughs> ha. Just. Yeah. <laughs> one to the head and they're done. Sweet, sweet justice. So, uh, Mike Barr writes this art by Alan Davis and Todd McFarlane, uh, inks by Paul Neary and Alfred Alcala. But in this version of the origin, Joe Chill actually left his gun behind after he killed Thomas and Martha Wayne and tossed it in the bushes. Young Bruce later went back to the scene of the crime, retrieved it, and has kept it in his house for many years until he decides to use it when uh, the villain of year two... The Reaper, who's this vigilante who kills people, ends up showing up. So Bruce decides to level the playing field with a gun, but is using it non-lethally in year two. Just shooting their kneecaps out. out. (laughs) He's he's like shooting their guns and and shooting like ropes and stuff. He's not actually like shooting people. Uh, Or he like shoots like a a guy's cigar out of his mouth and that type of stuff. So it's, uh, it's still very much the Batman we know. 
with firearms. And he decides in order to take down the Reaper, he has to team up with the enemy, who are all these criminals. And they're like, all right, we'll pair you up with our best guy. Joe, come over here. And it's their top hitman, Joe Chill. That's right. So, so he doesn't know at this time. Uh, well, Batman recognizes him immediately. Oh, as you okay. can see in this uh, this panel that I'm showing in the video version. Uh, so Batman begrudgingly teams up with Joe Chill in order to stop the Reaper, and then later on confronts Chill about the murder, putting the gun to his head and telling him, confronting him, doing the whole sort of thing about, like, I'm really Bruce Wayne and that stuff, but actually planning to kill him with the gun until the Reaper beats him to it and shoots Chill to death instead, robbing Bruce of his revenge. Uh, so it seems like Bruce would have done it, because he flat out puts the gun right up to Chill's forehead, mm-hmm. as we can see in the panel, but we don't know for sure. Uh, right. This is somewhat of a controversial run because of that aspect of Batman using guns again, and the Reaper is supposed to be another Gotham vigilante who was around before Batman, and I just I think a lot of people just didn't like that, so that got uh, basically got retconned and thrown out of continuity. Do you think the Reaper was like an inspiration for Phantasm? That's what people say, but I haven't really found anything from Bruce Tim and their team about whether or not it was. Because it's just like, I, I think there's there's the element of the Grim Reaper type imagery. Sight, plus, yeah. Yeah, and then you've got the whole love storyline with the daughter, that type of stuff. So, like, I see it, but also I'm like, it could just be a coincidence. You know, it could just be mm-hmm. that they they wanted to do their own thing. It just happened that it has these same elements to it. I haven't found any confirmation, though, where they said that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for the time being, it looks like it's Joe Chill until it's not. 1994. Uh, One of comics' biggest changes, DC releases Zero Hour, an event that affects all the DC characters. And Detective Comics 678 by Chuck Dixon, pencils by Graham Nolan, inks by Bob McCloud, colors by Adrian Roy, and letters by John Costanza. In this issue, Batman has the opportunity to visit the time around his parents' murder back in time. And visits Joe Chill, only to find that Joe Chill is drugged and high the whole time that the Waynes are killed, making it <laughs> okay. very unlikely that he was the one who pulled the trigger. They decided to do something a little different post-crisis in the 90s. They decided that uh, in Batman number zero, that, quote, the killer would become a symbol of the faceless crime lurking in every shadow, striking without warning, snuffing lives precious only to those whose futures are shattered by the loss. So... Uh, that's by Doug Mensch. Uh, but uh, Batman number zero sort of reveals that the killer is never identified. It's not Joe Chill. All of Joe Chill is now re- retconned. The idea is that it's an unsolved crime. Batman's never able to solve it. And so whenever he goes out, uh, he associates the man who killed his parents with all the criminals that are out there. And so this faceless criminal represents all of evil, all of crime, all of Gotham's worst. And so that's what I think there's. Motivation. There's some worth. There's some worth to this take. I think um, mm-hmm. a lot of silly things happened in the '90s mm-hmm. with comics, as we've talked about before. But this, uh, I could see it kind of like um, not not having any closure for Batman is good drama, also, right? It is, yeah, yeah. Um, for me personally, I think that uh, if I have one issue with it, it's that the world's greatest detective never tries to investigate this murder himself. He kind of just gives up like they never they say that they never find him but there wasn't really a story of batman in this continuity actively trying to solve his parents murder which seems maybe he's addicted to being batman he's addicted to being batman and Mm -hmm. then 
doesn't on some level, some deep level, doesn't want to solve it because he thinks mm-hmm. that if he solves it, he'll stop being Batman anymore. So it's the addiction to the cowl that maybe mm-hmm. draw, may, maybe uh, you know, delays that. For you know, this depends on the run too, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But may, maybe that's the way you one could think about this. Mm-hmm. So Ben, when he went, when he is uh, seeing Joe Chill at the time of his parents' death. Is this like Batman actually traveling back through time, or is it kind of like a Christmas Carol thing where he just sees him? <laughs> I mean, it's it's zero hours, so I think it's kind of like a. I don't think he can really interact with it. I don't think he's. Did he choose he's, that moment? Uh, did he choose to visit Joe P- Joe Chill in that I, moment? I believe he does. Uh, he should have just hour. visited the murder scene. I don't think he wants to see that. I, well, I think he sees you know, it anyways. <laughs> it's every dreams, scarecrow yes. attack and and nightmare. But yeah, I feel like uh, might as well. He should just know for sure. Like who was it? <laughs> yeah, there was a mm-hmm. uh, there was one run. I I think it was maybe a new fifty two, but I can't remember where he he's told that it's just it there was no rhyme or reason for right. it yeah. it was just a random killer um you can s- still be batman and everything but mm-hmm. crime it's just this is just random crime uh there mm-hmm. was no real motive other than maybe to get the pearls but right like there was yeah no, it wasn't a mob pit or nothing like that it was it was just mm-hmm. petty crime really and yeah. that's what causes the batman so mm-hmm. he, yeah, there's there's the logical part, the detective part of 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 Batman that wants to, uh, you know, he th- probably was thinking at least in this run that there was probably more to it than there really was. Yeah. So it's kind of a revelation to him that it's just a random act of violence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we have we already in the '90s have so many different variations, and this is just Joe Chill, right? We have Joe Chill working on his own. We got him being a hitman for Lou Moxon. We have Joe Chilled not even being the, the gunman, and now we have this whole unidentified gunman thing. So it really comes down to, like, what are your preferences and who's writing this? But this is an yeah. extremely popular interpretation that Bruce is, there is no Joe Chill. Bruce's parents' killer is never found. And I just want to point out, though, that this only lasts about 12 years in Batman's <laughs> history. Yeah, it makes such an impact. Um, but for a majority of the time, it's still Joe Chill. Which means that Joe Chill is about to make a comeback in what we're going to cover. So, here we go. Uh, He (laughs) makes a comeback in 2004's DCAU comics. Now, uh, this is the tie-in comic Batman Adventures, written by Ty Templeton, in a story called Fear Itself. It's the final issue, Batman Adventures number 17, with pencils by Rick Burchett and inks by Terry Betty. And it starts with the standard someone being haunted by the deaths of the Waynes, except the person waking up isn't Bruce Wayne. It's Joe Chill. And he's haunted by guilt of what he did years ago. So this is the beginning of a more sympathetic interpretation of Joe Chill, who's haunted by the murders he committed. Uh, This Chill is convinced that Bruce Wayne, who, you know, in present day is one of the most powerful men in the world, Bruce Wayne is going to plan to get back at him. And he lives in constant fear of that revenge. Uh, and he soon learns that there's new evidence arrives that could point to solving the Wayne murder case. And he's like, I can't have that. So he tries to kill the detective who's investigating it only for Batman to show up. So Batman fights Joe Chill, not knowing who the hell he is. And during the fight, Batman's mask comes off and Chill sees that it's Bruce Wayne. 
Terrified, that is Bruce, Chill falls back and falls off the balcony. Batman tries to save him, but Chill refuses to be saved and ends up falling to his death, leaving Batman to wonder what was up with that guy and why did he refuse to be saved, never knowing that that was the Ooh. man who killed his parents, who basically killed his parents. So, oh man, man, I really have all these comics and I totally forgot about that issue. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, but you did read it. Yes. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. It's it's fantastic. Uh, I really like this interpretation as well. There's so many good ones too. It's just it's hard to pick one. Like if you told me like what's your preference, Ben, I'm just like I don't know. Like there's so many like great stories because this is good, but so is like the chill of the night uh, version of the Bill Finger mm-hmm. stuff. So I'm like I could go with any of them. Uh, so this is 2004. Uh, a year later, we get Batman Begins, where Joe Chill makes his cinematic debut, uh, thanks to David Goyer and Chris Nolan. Here, they change up the whole Wayne murders, as we talked about in our Batman Begins deep dive. So the Waynes don't go to the movies, they go to the opera to see Mephistopheles. Uh, but because there are bat-like creatures in Mephistopheles, and Bruce just fell into the cave, mm-hmm. he feels afraid, so he asks Thomas if they can leave early. Thomas Wayne agrees, and they all walk out through the side exit early, which is probably the most organic explanation to how the Waynes ever arrive in the alley in these versions. So uh, good on Nolan and Goyer for that one. Here, a very nervous Joe Chill, played by Richard Brake, robs and kills Thomas and Martha Wayne, and young Bruce is later comforted by young Jim Gordon, only to be informed by Loeb that the GCPD has caught Joe Chill. Now... This is the first time in Batman history that the Wayne's killer is actually caught on the night of the murder, or even before Bruce becomes Batman. This is a huge change that basically nobody really talks about. Mm-hmm. It's a huge change from Bill Finger's um, words in the origin. The killer was never caught. That's why Bruce was motivated to do this. However, obviously they take it into a different direction to make Bruce into Batman, because uh, in this version, Chill is a more sympathetic man who is desperate for money and tries to get early parole years later by testifying against Carmine Falcone. Bruce arrives with a gun to try to kill him in revenge, but like we saw in other versions, he is beaten to the kill by another assassin. Uh, So it's this incident that then leads the Christian Bale Bruce to become Batman. So DC Comics thought this was a good idea. Let's put it in the comics. So (laughs) this showed up in uh, a very small part of Infinite Crisis. Infinite Crisis number six, written by Jeff Johns, of a whole all-star cast of pencilers, inkers, colorists, and letterers. Uh, But it follows suit from Batman Begins, because at one point the multiverse is affected by stuff, and it now shows. uh, It might be hard to see uh, on the video even, but uh, on one of the shards we see a young Bruce being comforted by Alfred, and in the foreground is a headline that mentions Joe Schill's name which implies that Joe Chill was caught on the night of the murders or sometime afterwards, which then retcons the whole, you know, unsolved mystery, unknown killer after only 12 years of continuity. So that is now, Joe Chill is back, and the so person... So this Batman Begins idea, Yeah. do uh, you think that the motivation is that I wasn't able to get revenge, so now I'll you know transfer that energy into getting justice every night basically (laughs) (laughs) well you know what i mean i I think i don't know about the infinite crisis version what they plan to do after this but at least in begins it was shown to be a little bit more complex than that you know of course with what katie holmes was telling him about how like it's it's more than it's what created joe chill you go after what created joe chill you don't go Mm, after joe chill that type of thing uh those those scenes were so sorry ben yeah those scenes were so emotional, I mm. thought. Hold, him holding the gun and him mm-hmm. 
like Christian Bale's acting in those scenes were you can see really it in his great. eyes really mm-hmm. great yeah the fury in his eyes when he's about to go in and you you basically know that he would have done it like he would have yeah. done it if he was yeah. not definitely punch. yeah definitely. Uh, but it is down to Grant Morrison to tell us what happens so <laughs> that old bald wizard <laughs> Batman number 673 in a story called Joe Chill in Hell uh, Tony Daniel does the pencils. Jonathan Glampian and Sandu Floria are the anchors. But here, Batman uh, is basically be held hostage and flashes back to early days when he's dressed in his 1939 costume and his younger self is continually haunting Joe Chill over a long period of time. We meet Joe and find out that uh, in this version, Chill says that he left young Bruce alive because Bruce reminded him of his son. So he couldn't bring himself to, to pull the trigger. So that's an interesting addition. Uh, one night, Batman confronts Chill for the last time and makes him confess more to the murder of Thomas and Martha Wayne. Morrison then references the Bill Finger uh, retcon with Martha's heart attack from Batman number 47, now saying that Martha Wayne could have survived her gunshot wound, but her weak heart led her to bled to death. So Morrison's merging stuff here in a mm-hmm. very uh, skillful way, I think. Uh, Batman, like in year two, still has the gun that Chill used for the murder and returns the gun to him. In that moment, Chill realizes that Batman is Bruce Wayne and that he's the one responsible for the birth of Batman. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Batman then leaves him and Chill takes the gun and in the next panel, we overhear the gunshot as Chill kills himself. Now... That's an awesome fucking artwork right here. Yes, Tony Daniel. Yeah. 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 Now thing is, Batman is kind of hallucinating during this time of the issue. So it's a little <laughs> ambiguous. Some people say this is a flashback and say, man, Batman flat out like let Joe Chill kill himself. Or they say it's a fantasy that Batman's going through in that issue. It's not really solidified either way. I think Grant, Grant Morrison's really the type to revel in ambiguity. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he loves it. He, he's like, oh, you wanted a straight answer? That's not mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're not going to get it from me. Yes. Yeah. So... That is what happens in post-crisis continuity. But let's talk about the new 52. Because, Andrew, you were referencing this earlier, but okay, Greg Hurwitz yeah. did a different take on it in Batman The Dark Knight, number zero. That sort of combines a few of the versions that we've talked about. Uh, penciled by Juan Jose Rip and Miko Swayan, inks by Vicente Cifuentes, and colors by Sonia Obak. Oh, and letters by Patrick Brosal. But uh, like in Batman Begins, young Bruce Wayne knows that Chill killed his parents and seeks to confront him with a gun. This time, however, Bruce confronts him and interrogates him, asking him who sent him to carry out the hit. And to his surprise, Joe Chill tells him, nobody. He didn't even know who the Waynes were. He was acting on his own accord. All he wanted was money. And he didn't even know who the Waynes were until after he committed the crime. Bruce is basically in disbelief that this isn't some sort of conspiracy. This isn't some sort of assassination of his father. Uh, he's tempted to pull the trigger, but decides that's not what his father would have wanted. And he ends up walking out. And that's when he starts undergoing his training to become a vigilante. I think this, personally, is, is my favorite update to the Joe Chill story because Bruce is confronting Joe Chill before he becomes Batman, getting that out of the way and making him mm-hmm. move beyond his quest for vengeance as opposed to when he's already Batman I'm kind of just like, well, you didn't try to investigate earlier, Bruce? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. It's kind of a it's a small hole in there, but I like that he isn't able to get revenge and he has that realization that I don't go after Joe Chill, I go over what creates Joe Chill. 
and I have to become something more than just a guy with a gun trying to kill another guy, like Joe Chill. So uh, that is a really good addition, in my opinion, to the canon. And this does get incorporated in live action in the second season of the show Gotham. Now, uh, in the Gotham version, the killer, unlike other versions, is in a ski mask, as seen here, played by uh, Danny Schoch, I think is the pronunciation. But uh, much like the Bruce Wayne pilot, Bruce suspects that the executives at his father's companies were behind his parents' deaths. And the show later reveals that it is one of the suspects that we talked about earlier, uh, the Court of Owls. So... Professor Hugo Strange in the show works for Wayne Enterprises and is performing experiments in Arkham Asylum on behalf of the Court of Owls. Thomas Wayne found out about them, and Strange, in order to protect the secret as well as fulfill his promise to the Court of Owls, has Thomas and Martha killed. So Hugo Strange kind of plays out the Lou Boxen role in Gotham. Uh, the gunman's name, however, is not known, and so... Later, Bruce ends up interrogating a young Silver St. Cloud, who's evil in this continuity. <laughs> but evil. Silver, yeah, evil Silver gives up the name, which is Malone. First initial M. And Bruce Magic and Alfred... Okay. Yeah, find that, yeah, Bruce and Alfred find that it's a man named Patrick Malone, a.k.a. Matches Malone, called that due to him killing people by, of course, setting them on fire. This is a major change in canon because Matches Malone, for those who don't know, is often the disguise that Batman takes on in the comics. So it's a little weird that they went with this instead of Joe Chill. I was hoping maybe they were going to do a twist where Matches Malone is actually innocent and teams up with Bruce to find the real killer and then Bruce befriends Matches Malone and that's why he becomes... he takes on the disguise of Matches Malone later, but that didn't turn out to be the case. Instead, they introduced this guy, uh, played by Michael Bowen, who... Breaking Bad fans might recognize as one of the main villains uh, from that show. But Malone here might as well be Joe Chill, which is why I'm including him in the Joe Chill section. Uh, Bruce gets a gun and tracks down Malone in one of the best episodes of the show called This Ball of Mud and Meanness, written by John Baring. Malone, however, is not a monster, but a washed-up drunk with a death wish, and even begs Bruce to shoot him, saying, you should kill me, I'm a monster. And Bruce can't he basically can't will himself to do it. And he says, I wish you were a monster, but you're just a man. And he drops the gun <laughs> and he runs off only for Malone to use the gun that Bruce dropped and use it to kill himself. Kind of incorporating that uh, Grant Morrison issue that we talked about. So it's, it's a wonderful adaptation, in my opinion, of a lot of the newer updates to the Joe Chill storyline that we just talked about. Uh, and of course, Malone's suicide causes Bruce to abandon the vengeance, leave Wayne Manor, and begin living in the streets of Gotham to learn more about his city. And so that is another version of it. But uh, then we start getting people criticizing how many times we've seen this goddamn origin when we get to Batman versus <laughs> Superman, Dawn of Justice. This uh, is when people really started to complain. Yes. Was, was right yeah. here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, we see here that Joe Chill is played by Damon Caro, who is also second unit director on the movie. But even though he is not credited as Joe Chill, Damon Caro said in an interview, I was Joe Chill, and the studio wouldn't <laughs> let him be credited. The studio apparently wouldn't let him be credited as Joe Chill. You don't get that many royalties. <laughs> I guess so. Sorry. Uh, yes. So even though 
Joe Chill is never mentioned by name. He's not in the credits. It is meant to be Joe Chill. I believe Snyder refers to him as Joe Chill. And there was even an Amazon Echo promotional tie-in game for the film called The Wayne Investigation. Yes, I played it on my Alexa. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, lo and behold, the murderer turns out to be, once again, Joe Chill. So So you do play some video games. They just happen to be Amazon Echo games. It's not even a video game. It's an audio game. It's just like, Alexa, I choose this. Yeah, an audio game. Interesting. (laughs) Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and then the last instance of Joe Chill that twists canon a lot is the Telltale series in 2016. Here, Thomas Wayne is a mob boss alongside Carmine Falcone and Mayor Hill. Mayor Hill orders Joe Chill to kill Thomas and Martha Wayne. And when Wayne is confronted by Joe Chill, he assumes that it's Falcone. And when Chill for- shoots him the first time, he says, tell Falcone he's making a mistake, which are his last words before Chill shoots him in the eye, as we see here. It's one of the more violent versions of the uh, the origin here. Joe Chill was later said to be killed in prison by other prisoners, probably hired by Mayor Hill or Falcone in that case. But this is the many different takes on Joe Chill, and uh, we will tackle the Joker. But first, we're going to tackle Joe Chill's family coming soon mm-hmm. after the break. <laughs> Ooh. Here at Chat of the Wild, our game club podcast, we have been using our lens of truth to do deep dives on the Legend of Zelda series, in order, covering one to two dungeons each episode. Our show also looks at Zelda-likes, such as Crusader of Senti, Golden Axe Warrior, and the bizarre journey of For the Frog the Bell Tolls. Join us right now as we play Ari and the Secret of Seasons, our first new release since Season 1, or check out our past seasons breaking down nearly 20 action-adventure titles. New episodes drop every Wednesday, here on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Lord have mercy, y'all. Do you like hounds? Do you enjoy pooches? Do you find yourself enjoying time spent with that of canines? Talking about dogs, y'all. As you might have heard, Superhero Stuff You Should Know has now teamed up with BarkBox. For every month, you get a box for your special canine. Pooches. Or hounds. That's right. One free extra month if you go to BarkBox.com slash SuperheroStuffPod. Follow the link and you'll get a free extra month valued at $35 and valid for all multi-length plans. So get the BarkBox for your hound, for your pooch, for your canine. Your doggo will thank you. I gathered you all here today because, to be honest, I feel a little bad about the fact that I'm responsible for 90% of your creations in my rogues gallery. Hallelujah, you finally admitted it, Guano Man! Well, I personally, Clayface, cannot wait to be reborn again so that I might once again see the stage without having to transform all the time! Yes, so I recently defeated Razal Ghoul, and as Clayface just found out, I'm using the Lazarus Pit to restore you back to your normal selves. I, I don't know why I didn't do this earlier. It would have saved Gotham and saved millions of lives, but we'll just go one by one in the line. So first uh, up is uh, Mr. Freeze. Step right up. No, Batman, you couldn't do it whenever, you know, we were in 1997, but maybe, you, you know, you help me out now. Yes, so just you and your wife just dunk yourselves into the pit and we'll get you both cured. All right, here we go. Hold your nose. Geronimo! Uh, how do I look? Um, you might have been in there too long. You look, you're, you're a little 
You're a lot smaller than you were before. Oh my goodness, my armor is not a size 6 anymore. Also, your wife is now a baby. Well, I, I guess she kind of saved the life, you know. That can't complain too much, you're just a baby here. Clayface, you're up next. Getting a little weird at this point, but who am I to judge? This is wonderful! I shall become a child actor now! Yeah, Roz never told me how long you guys should be in there, so uh, this is kind of backfiring. My favorite actor is Frankie Muniz, and I shall join amongst his ranks! Out of all the actors, your favorite is Frankie Muniz? Yes, Frankie is among the greatest of the stage! Um, Mr. B-Man, sir... Is there anything in that old Lazarus pit for your old Uncle Joker? Well, yes, but first off, let me punch you a few times for old times' sake. Can't say I blame you! <laughs> if you go in, Joker, you might come out sane. Oh, wait, you didn't tell me that! No, let me go! In you go! No! Why so serious? Oh, good lord! My digits are tiny and my head has grown twice as big. Ha 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 ha, you'll never threaten Gotham again. This was genius. Man, I'm Farmer Brown. I'm here to get myself younger than before, man. My dick don't work anymore and I'm wanting to get that thing fucking fixed, boy. You know what I'm saying? Uh. I'm ready to dunk on in. Get out of the way, bass. I'm running towards this motherfucker. That's for the physically deformed. Man, that was refreshing as hell. Since I'm prepubescent, I'm gonna refrain from a few of these jokes that might have been. Thank you, Bats! Oh, this weenie talk in these tiny little ears. Okay, this, this plan was terrible. Next time on HBO Max, Batman's Nursery. Check it. Same Bat Baby time, same Bat Baby channel. Gotham babies, they'll make your dreams come true. How many swizzle sticks do you have? How many swizzle sticks do you have? How many, how many, how many, how many swizzle sticks do you have? And we're back with Zack Attack and Andrew, and we're going to continue talking about Joe Chill. We're done talking about the man himself, but uh, let's start talking about the man's family. So, did you are you any uh, are any of you guys familiar with Max Chill? Never heard of him. The, Max the answer Chill is no. Ben is Bra is in Brave and the Bold number seventy nine, written by Bob Haney with art by Neil Adams. Very early work of Neil Adams. His Batman in this issue is not quite the Batman that you know from him. Um, but it looks a little closer <laughs> in this one. Are you laughing at his vulnerable position in this? I'm uh, laughing at what, uh, what Batman is thinking because I misread it at first. <laughs> <laughs> so the panel is his. Uh, the panel that we're looking at is Max Chill confronting Batman, and Batman's thoughts are quote It's Chill, and he does have a hook. Or I'm flipping my bird. I'm flipping my bird I'm over flipping here. Flipping the bird. Now here's the thing. This is not actually Batman. This is Dead Man. <gasps> Oh shit! Okay. Is, uh, for those who can see it in the video, it's the uh, you can see a bit of the highlight around mm -hmm. the bat costume. Yeah, because uh, Dead Man has taken him over. So His aura, bro. For those who don't know, Dead Man is a former Haley Circus acrobat. Yes, Haley Circus, the same circus as the Graysons. Uh, former Haley Circus acrobat named Boston Brand, who was killed and cursed to live his life as a ghost, uh, only able to fight crime by taking over people's bodies, like Batman's bodies. Uh, he was killed by a man with a hook hand. And his suspect in this story, uh, in The Brave and the Bold number 79, is uh, Max Chill, Joe Chill's brother, who 
also wants revenge on Batman for his role in Joe's death many issues ago in the Bill Finger version where Joe was killed by other criminals. So Ult- is there some there's some uh, desire from DC to really connect Dead Man and Batman, you think? Uh, I think it's just the Brave and the Bold, to me, sort of felt like a showcase of here are our lesser-known superheroes, our B-list, C-list ones. Yeah. Put them in a title with mm-hmm. Batman so that people are just like, oh, I want to read more about Dead Man. I want to read more about Green Arrow. And then now you can with like the comics. Like it, It's a way in for you to, to basically know these newer characters, these ones who you aren't as familiar with. Batman is uh, the vehicle. Yeah, Batman is the vehicle to get you to those characters. Right, right, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So... Anyway, Max Chill is innocent of killing Boston. It turns out that his hook hand is not even uh, real. It's just a prosthetic thing that he wears. Uh, and I'm just fun. like, wearing this hook? <laughs> yeah. I have a hand. <laughs> it's just not very practical, but okay. Just I cosplay. just like hooking stuff. Yeah. Yes. So Max is innocent of killing Boston Brand and ends up dying himself in a confrontation when a bunch of slot machines fall on him. So that's the end of Max Chill. Do but, his eyes like flip like the slot machine? <laughs> two lemons come up. But if they ever animated, I guess that's how they should do this. Uh, so, I think it would have been more fitting for him to fall off of something like most Batman villains do catch his hook on a ledge and then the hook comes off because it's not fucking real yeah that would have been his just desserts hoisted yes. by his own petard yes <laughs> indeed is that <laughs> so that is max chill but it's not the last time we hear from the max uh from max chill or joe chill or joe chill's family because jack uh, chill's next jack chill is not next uh who wants Jill to meet, chill who wants to meet joe chill's mom let's do it she's a character Batman number 208 in a story by E. Nelson Bridwell with art by Jill Kane and Jake Abel. Joe Chill's real last name is Chilton. And we know this (laughs) because uh, his mom's name is Mrs. Chilton and uh, she is a caretaker. Specifically was the caretaker of Bruce Wayne. So, in a cruel twist, Bruce, after the deaths of his parents, was taken in by his uncle Philip because uh, West Philadelphia, born and raised, was Bruce. But after <laughs> that, Uncle Philip's caretaker, Mrs. Chilton, took care of him, not knowing that Mrs. Chilton is the mom to Joe Chill. Bruce doesn't know that about this connection. She doesn't know about this connection. Only we as the audience know about this connection because, fuck it, it's 1969. we got to do some sort of spicy tale in this. So... <laughs> uh, in the original continuity, I will note, Alfred did not enter Bruce's life until after... Bruce and Dick Grayson were Batman and Robin. So for those wondering, why is it Mrs. Chilton? Where's mm-hmm. Alfred? That wasn't established yet. In 1969, Alfred, as of that continuity, was uh, he was a latecomer. He came in way after Robin. So Mrs. Chilton was established as the person who took care of Bruce when he was a boy. And again, she's aware that her sons have become criminals, both Joe and Max, but she's ignorant of the fact that Joe directly killed Bruce's parents. So... Uh, that's who Joe Chill grew up with. Let's talk about Joe Chill's son. So, uh, year two, as I talked about, was in the 80s, and Mike Barr was like, I really love the Reaper character. Let's do a sequel to year two. But it's not year three. It's called Full Circle. <laughs> so, Mike Barr writes this, art by Alan Davis again, inks by Mark Farmer, colors by Tom Ziuko, and Todd's bu- letters by Todd Klein. And we meet Joe Chill's son, Joseph Jr., very creative, who uh, is revealed 
reveals that he witnessed his father's death in year two. However, he gets the facts wrong. He believes that Batman was the one who shot Joe Chill, not the Reaper. Uh, and he feels that the Reaper was trying to avenge his father. So Joseph Jr. takes on the Reaper mantle. He becomes the Reaper in full circle and teams up with his sister, Marsha, to get revenge on an older Batman who now has Dick Grayson slash Robin by his side. He also takes the gun that killed the Waynes and uses it against Batman. And the dynamic duo fight him until they discover his identity and discover that he has a son named, you guessed it, Joey. He's Joseph Chilton the <laughs> third. Joseph so. Chilton the third. So good lord. We have Joseph no, Jr. Batman saying. <laughs> Batman saying good lord in this fucking good panel. Lord. Yes. Good lord. Yes. Good lord. Yes, because the kid's like, my name is Joey, Joey Chilton. He's like, good lord. By the Nobody way, I had thought, any creativity. My first, yeah, my first thought when I saw the panel for uh, for uh, Mrs. Chilton was that she would have like a Gone with the Wind kind of southern accent. <laughs> <laughs> I had two sons, but they're grown now. It will be nice having a boy around again. Yes. <laughs> Poor Mrs. Chilton. So that is Joe Chill's son, Joe Chill's grandson. Who wants to meet Joe Chill's great-grandnephew? Not me. Jake me. Chill. Too bad, Andrew. <laughs> we have Jake Chill. Jake Chill is a former security guard at Wayne I don't want to meet this guy. He fucking Powers. looks like he's taking a shit all the time. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he's crying while he's in- doing it. <laughs> he does not eat any fiber. Uh, but Batman <laughs> yeah. Beyond Unlimited Comics, issue number five, written by Adam Beechin, uh, Breachin, with art by Norm Brayfogle, coloring by Andrew Elder, and letters by Salda Timofonte. Here's why Jake Chill is interesting. Jake Chill is the one who actually killed Warren McGinnis under the orders of Mr. Fix and Derek Powers, meaning that he is the one who turned Terry into becoming the new Batman. <laughs> the Chill legacy lives Wild. Up. Yes, okay. so Jake Chill is racked with guilt, however, and decides to become a vigilante to help Batman in this. So that is Jake Chill. Uh, I think that is it for Joe Chill and the Chill family. I know you guys are going to sigh with relief on that. But uh, What about their means- dogs? What, what was... <laughs> What Barkley was Jake Chill's Jr. vigilante name? Uh, you'll get a kick out of this. Uh, it was Vigilante. Well, oh, that's yeah. boring. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yes. So, Jake Chill became Vigilante in the future, but anyway, that is the Chill family. That is the Joe Chill saga. Let's talk about... Wait, ba- Batman should, kill, should have just killed a ba- Chill, Joe Chill's a mom and dad and then <laughs> Joe Chill's after him and it's <laughs> a vicious All cycle Earth, bro yes. that's it with the Chill family let's talk about the guy in the thumbnail oh shit it's time to talk about the Joker we're the gonna go into yeah. the times yes the times that Joker played a role in the dust of the wings you guys weren't expecting that uh, the listeners here <laughs> so let's start not with Batman 89 because it wasn't technically started with Tim Burton or screenwriter Sam Hamm. It started with the Batman script from 1982, our most popular YouTube episode. Aww. And uh, <laughs> your, 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 your uh, viewership. <laughs> Thank you for your viewership. Please yeah. continue to uh, sit back and relax as we recap one portion of this, which is the Wayne murders. So, 82 and 83, Warner Brothers starts developing this film that will become Batman 89. They pick screenwriter Tom Mankiewicz, who, of course, worked on the, su- the successful Superman uh, movie, Superman 1 and 2, which we covered in our Superman deep dive. 
here the Waynes are leaving the movie theater from watching Audrey Hepburn in The Nun's Story. <laughs> Why in the fuck are they watching this shit? I don't know. Uh, in 1960, yes. Yeah. Full so, of action and adventure. <laughs> I guess Mankiewicz wanted to just pick a story, a, a movie from what would have been, you know, 12 or 13 years earlier. From it's where he was boring, bro. So, uh, have you seen it, the Nun's story? <laughs> no, but it looks bad. I don't want to either. I don't know. After it might be all right. Looking at this poster. Afterwards, your parents will die. That's what happens. A fucking story about a nun. Bruce yes. wanted to leave early because he got bored. <laughs> That's why they died. That was the whole reason. Yeah. So, we're no gonna go into to the Audrey Hepburn, or yeah. but but yeah, it's just uh, I don't know. Maybe it's a fucking great movie. We're a bunch of fucking chuckleheads about it i don't Let know, know in the comments. <laughs> yeah uh we'll go into the evolution of the different movies the wayne saw before they died in the patreon because i've had to correct uh people believing that it was always zorro it was not uh but anyway joe chill still confronts the family outside but he calls thomas doc and thomas asks how do you know i'm a doctor before chill shoots him to death along I just with like life. watching bugs bunny cartoons yes <laughs> just something i do <laughs> he should have just said that but uh, much like in batman 47 bruce glares at chill scaring him into running off and where does he run off to well he runs off to his boss the joker who would have been played by Ooh. john lithgow in uh who is uh, basically the main actor that uh, joe dante the director had in mind when joe dante was attached to this so this is the is first this... time in movie development that joker is involved with the murder Go ahead. Not to bring up the visuals again and again, but the, this here is a Photoshop. <laughs> this is a Photoshop of okay. uh, John yes. Lithgow from Adventures of uh, Buckaroo Banzai. Okay, and it's yeah. just for the listener. Uh, it's basically Lithgow and Joker makeup. Yeah, yeah. 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 He does look so. demented with those teeth. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. I have never seen Buckaroo Banzai. Kevin Smith loves it. It's a, mm-hmm. it's an old it's an older nerd classic well old depending on what your age i guess but mm-hmm. but yeah i, I do kind of want to check that movie out at some point yeah so this is who joker would have been had they gone off that script uh the joker then kills joe chill of joker venom to tie up loose ends because he was the gunman uh and in a later twist we find out that he was doing all this on behalf of rupert thorne thomas wayne's opponent in the race for becoming city councilman in uh the script so that is the first draft version of what happens to joe chill Mankiewicz, however, revises this into something that I think is a lot better in the second draft. So the Wayne murder plays out the same. Joker still pays off Joe Chill, but he does not kill him. Instead, Chill survives, and many years later, Bruce Wayne, on his first night as Batman, is a rookie. Hold on, here's uh, Joe Chill under Joker Joker Venom. Uh, Mm -hmm. But uh, Bruce Wayne is a rookie who tracks down an older Chill and confronts him, revealing his true identity, and Chill recognizes who's under the mask. He recognizes the eyes, the look the same look that that boy gave him many years ago in that alley when he shot down Thomas and Martha Wayne and he recognizes it and he says it's you before he has a fatal heart attack and dies Mm -hmm. in a way Batman gets his revenge on Chill in this version without directly murdering him so this is another way to do it which I really liked as well do you think this would cause guilt for Batman like if he hadn't have like threatened this old man Mm -hmm. he'd probably still be alive (laughs) yeah didn't kill him directly (laughs) not directly i mean he's he's a murderer for sure but i mean this is sort of an indirect way of of killing and they could maybe address that in a later issue i don't know maybe maybe yeah but Ben uh, again both of these scripts is the joker already uh white with green hair and red lips he's already the joker when 
Thomas and Martha Wayne are killed. Yeah, I don't like that. I feel like, well, what's his origin then? Did who? It's mysterious. Who made him fall into the chemicals? It's ah. Who said it was chemicals? He just puts makeup on, uh, man. Maybe he was a, a struggling comedian who thought that Thomas Wayne was his dad, and he just got really pissed off at the world and hey. went on a talk show and blew someone's head off. So that's true. That's just, uh, just putting that out there for anybody who wants to turn that into an Oscar-winning movie. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, it won't happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also important to note that Makowitz here uh, decides to have Alfred Pennyworth take care of Bruce Wayne from childhood, which, as we talked about, was not actually what was going on in the comics at the, at the time. It was it was Mrs. Chilton at that point, but obviously they weren't going to do that in the Makowitz draft. But anyway, what's the what's the woman in uh, the sixty six again? Aunt Harriet. Aunt Harriet. Yeah. Aunt Harriet. Yeah. Th- that but that was just sixty six show, right? Actually, no. She uh, was in the comics. It was Aunt Agatha in the comics. Oh, okay. Yeah. And she was taking care of him as a boy before Alfred comes along, right? No, she's Dick Grayson's aunt. Okay, yes. who's so before Alfred, who's taking care of him as a boy? Uh Uncle Phil. Uncle Phil is? Because <laughs> West Philadelphia, born and raised, yeah. Oh yeah, okay. It's actually He's Uncle in Philip the, uh, Wayne. I He's think what, isn't Uncle? Philip isn't he in uh Zero what is yeah. it zero year zero year yeah. they reimagined him as uh martha martha's brother he's philip kane as opposed That's to the right. original where he's thomas's brother philip wayne so mm-hmm. they found another way to do that okay. also those right. as if the visual we're looking at those are some simple ass headstones for like billionaires <laughs> thomas and martha plot, wayne versus, headstones. versus like i decided to go cheap <laughs> Spend your money so. like crime fighting. The basic uh, tombstone shape for everybody. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, again, we got this foreshadowing change of comic book canon. Uh, this image is from Galactic Guardians, the superpowers team, the last iteration of Super Friends that adapted this, uh, with Adam West being the one to recount the narration. And it was the first adaptation, the live action, ad- I'm not live action, the first adaptation in general of the Waynes getting killed. Uh, but let's go into another version. In 1985, Tim Burton co-wrote a treatment with his girlfriend, Julie Hickson, in which the Waynes are walking back from not the movie theater and not from an opera, but from a costume party. Yes, this is back. Mm. Naked Thomas Wayne is back. (laughs) (laughs) It says that Thomas Wayne is dressed up as a bat, uh, Martha is dressed up as a fairy, and Bruce is dressed up as a harlequin? in this but anyway okay. uh, <clears throat> as they're walking on the street an ice cream truck drives by and <laughs> a young joker with the green hair pale lips and red uh, pale lips pale skin and red pale lips, lips. <laughs> <laughs> opens fire on the couple and drives off still playing music from the ice cream truck uh, the visual have we covered this I feel like you've yeah. told me this before Ben mm-hmm. it's yeah, in okay. our most popular episode the Batman oh, script yeah. from 82 okay yeah. I gotcha yeah. I was like <laughs> This is very, very familiar, Ben. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, the the visual here is Cameron Monaghan's Jeremiah in jo- in uh, Gotham, who is basically the mm-hmm. version of the Joker, uh, when he tried to replicate the Wayne murders in front of Bruce, except with him as the gunman, where he's just like, well, I wasn't there for the most pivotal moment of your life, so I'm just going to recreate it for you so that I can insert myself into there. So <clears throat> this is probably this whole ice cream truck thing and... Thomas Wayne dying in a bat suit. This is all probably the most surreal take on the murder that we've yeah. got. 
<clears throat> and You're also telling the first me time... that Tim Burton wrote a script in which there were a lot of costumes. Yes. Just fucking everywhere. Yeah. Wow. I just, Thomas it's Wayne hard to believe. dies in a bat suit in this version. <laughs> so, you know what? Go, yeah. He got the gumption and the gusto. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That Burton that Burton kid. Yep. Uh, as I said, first time in years that Joe Chill is not the actual shooter and Joker is directly the gunman, which is what we would get again in 89. Pictured here, we have Hugo E. Blick, British actor who played the young Jack Napier and arguably looks even closer to the comic book Joker than Jack Nicholson did. Uh, In the most controversial aspect of the movie of Batman 89, Tim Burton had the young Joker, before he fell into the chemicals, kill Bruce Wayne's parents. Uh, I'm sure... Zach, from your standpoint, he did it right because Joker had not been Joker yet. He does not have that's the right. green hair and red lips and pale skin. He's just a regular guy. Totally a bad guy, but still. Yes. Uh, Tim Burton had this idea, as we saw in the treatment. Uh, Sam Hamm is credited on the script, but Hamm did not come up with this idea. In Hamm's original drafts, this is uh, Joker and Batman are the same age. This has not happened. It was screenwriter Warren Skarin. Uh, who had written on Beetlejuice and Tim Burton had brought on to do script rewrites for 89. It was Warren Skarin who brought that idea to life in the final draft of the film. Uh, Producer Michael Uslan was very worried about this, so he asked Batman co-creator Bob Kane to see what he thought (laughs) about uh, Joker. And Bob Kane said that, quote, if the Joker had been created originally in 1939, that's who would have murdered the Waynes in the comic book. So, <laughs> surprise, that's what, uh, surprise. That's what Usland says that Kane said in, uh, that's the, a great idea. in the 50s. So. Yeah, I, I thought it was it. even better is this check, <laughs> this check in my pocket. <laughs> yes. And I brought it my side. Yes. Uh, in this interpretation, they went to see a movie called Footlight Frenzy, indicated by the poster of the film outside the theater. Uh, it's also the only interpretation where there is not one mugger, but two, which leads me to ask who is this guy? Now, yeah. uh, the actor is Clyde Gaytel. Some have interpreted him to be a younger Bob the Goon because Bob, you know, is his right-hand man, his number one guy yeah. throughout the movie. And uh, in at the end of the murder, he says, Jack, let's go. The end of the Batman origin, he says, Jack, let's go. And at the end of, not the end, but during the Joker origin at the chemical factory, Bob says, come on, let's go, Jack. Similar thing. Uh, so people have turn to that to say that, oh, it's probably just a young Bob the Goon. Uh, the actor Clyde Gaytel is simply credited as Other Mugger, not credited with any okay. other name. You would think, though, that if it was young Bob, wouldn't they have said it was young Bob? Michael Uslan says, quote, as a tip of the hat to hardcore Bat fans and to Joe Chill, the scene in the movie showed Jack and another man responsible for the killing. It was hoped that would satisfy the majority of generations of Bat maniacs. So I believe Uslan's intention is that this is Joe Chill, which means that this is Joe Chill's actual cinematic debut, not Batman Begins. That's interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Uh, so Joe Chill's just witness to the murder. He is the uh, one who literally grabs the pearls, though, in this. Okay, but mm-hmm. the one that pulls the trigger is Jack, Jack Napier. Napier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Burton is the first to bring the death of the Waynes to live action and incorporates the imagery of the Pearl Necklace breaking from The Dark Knight Returns. Uh, Another thing that's interesting is that the setting of the crime is not at Park Row or in Crime Alley, but is on the intersection of Pearl and Phillips Street, as Vicki Vale discovers. Now, people might be like, well, this is bullshit. What about Crime Alley? Keep in mind, though, 
If we were to go back to the very first origin from Bill Finger, they are confronted in the middle of the street. Seemingly in the middle of the street. It does not say that it's an alley. Uh, Crime Alley did not get introduced until the 70s when Dennis O'Neill came in. So this is kind of staying more true to the original take where it seemed like it was just randomly on the street at night. So that's another thing that they drew from the original comics. So Well, I mean, it would make more sense in, in some sense that the, they would be walking on a like a, a not that I hang out with billionaires all the time mm-hmm. but billionaires just walking down an alley I don't know it's just I mean <laughs> right. I guess you could write it to where it works mm-hmm. but <laughs> I mean walking down a street is much more likely right. mm-hmm. yeah. right. to their to their limo or whatever the fuck right so this is uh, Jack Napier pulling the trigger and people might think well that's it right we're done not quite uh, as we covered before, in an alternate Batman Returns, we could have gotten the reason why Jack Napier killed the Waynes. Uh, Sam Hamm's script Batman 2 revealed that uh, the Waynes were part of the five families of Gotham, the five richest families of Gotham. And when Bruce talks to one of the members of the five families, he learns about the fact that each family possesses a raven statue. When all five statues are brought together, it reveals the location of the treasure that their ancestors robbed and stole. Thomas Wayne, however, refused to take part in this, and so the rest of the families decided to hire Jack Napier to kill Thomas and Martha Wayne. It reveals the location of Bohemian Grove in Northern California. <laughs> <laughs> so if you thought that was it, you're wrong as well, because we could have seen Joker kill the Waynes again in the unmade Batman musical. Oh man, one of my favorite episodes <laughs> we done did. So 1998, a Batman musical was announced from... The late Jim Steinman, who passed away this past year, yeah. uh, rest in peace. And Did he die of COVID? No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Uh, it was going to be directed by Tim Burton himself on stage. Uh, Jack Napier slash the Joker was still the killer of the Waynes in this. However, there was an additional twist. Not only does he create Batman, but he also creates Catwoman. Because in this mm. version, a young Selina Kyle is actually a witness to the crime, which foreshadows what Gotham does by having Selina be the witness to the Wayne murders. It foreshadows Gotham by a good 16 years on this. So, uh, watching the deaths would create a huge influence on Selina. Steinman writes that this uh, murder basically influences her, influences her to grow up to become Catwoman, that she is, quote, mostly mentally scarred by realizing how easily things that are precious can be taken from you, such as Mrs. Wayne's pearl necklace being ripped from her throat. So Selina grows up craving precious jewels and obsessed with holding onto them. So both witnesses to the crime of the Wayne murders, horrific murder by the Joker, has mutated two little quote-unquote observers. Bruce became Batman, Selina became Catwoman. Two little lost children have mutated through their own complex reactions to a numbing loss and in fact fall in love. So, and that was never, was going to be, I, yeah, it was going to be illustrated through the songs and stuff, but yeah. Hmm. I never even thought about the the pearls, like if she's washing it, like the connection of Catwoman's, uh, you know, lust for pearls or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and the and the pearls on uh, on Martha Wayne. Yeah, that's that that's interesting. I, I, I yeah, I saw got that episode of Gotham, and mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. I didn't put that together when I saw it. And I don't think they actually bring that side to life because she's kind of already a thief before she ends up witnessing that. As opposed to this yeah. version where Steinman says that this sparks it. So, okay, who knew? Yeah, The guy who wrote, uh, I can do anything for love, but I won't do that, will, <laughs> he's going to come up with something so creative for Batman and Catwoman. But He wrote that are. for Meatloaf, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Well, yeah, I thought Meatloaf wrote that. All right. Yeah. No, he just sang it. Yeah. All right. So that then leads us into a movie I was referencing earlier, Joker from 2019. In the film written by Todd Phillips and Scott Silver, inspired by Arthur Fleck's action as the Joker, riots break out in the streets of Gotham during the time that the Waynes are at the movies watching, from what looks from the posters, either Excalibur or Zorro the Gay Blade with George Hamilton. Um, A man in a clown mask, who has been inspired by the Joker, follows the Waynes into an alley, and when he gets close to them, he echoes what Joker had said to... um, Murray Frank before killing him saying that quote you get what you fucking deserve and shoots both Thomas Wayne and Martha Wayne it's probably one of the most R-rated takes since the gunman drops an F-bomb and blood gets on young Bruce's face here Joker isn't directly connected but his actions do inspire the gunman to kill the Waynes and Bruce's scarred from seeing this man in a clown mask shoot down his parents so do we think this is Joe Chill? I would say so yeah Hmm. but it's not confirmed <clears throat> but if it is, then Joe Chill is inspired by the Joker in the Joker continuity. So that's interesting. Uh, now, as we can see, there's been some interesting connections between Joe Chill and Joker. We got Joe Chill being hired by the Joker in the Mankiewicz version. We got Joe Chill being possibly an accomplice in the 89 version. We got Joe Chill maybe being even inspired by the Joker in the Walking Phoenix thing. But I think. Let's bring this full circle of a comic that came out last year called The Three Jokers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Major storyline written by Jeff Johns, art by Jason Fabok and Brad Anderson, and letters by Rob Lee. And this tale seems to be a Joker story, but if you read it, you find that it's actually about a lot more than that. It's about Mrs. Chilton. It's about Mrs. Chilton, yes. So Mrs. Chilton <laughs> is the Joker. <clears throat> yeah, the, other Jokers, the other Jokers are Max chill and jake chill and joey chill and barbara chill yes so uh joe chill has been locked up in blackgate prison for years and ends up getting kidnapped by the joker one of them at least and that joker puts him on film and asks why did you really kill thomas and martha wayne so next scene what happens is that batman and his allies find that joker is holding chill in the theater where bruce and his family saw the mark of zorro instead of zorro however a film plays of joe confessing to him killing the waynes but the reason why was because he was frustrated with his own situation he felt that the waynes were the kind of rich people who didn't care about him or the city it was only after killing them and seeing the pain that he caused that he realized his mistake and that he has been guilt-ridden in blackgate and is currently dying of cancer and all he's wanted to tell bruce is the following words I'm sorry. The Joker, in the meantime, plans to dump Joe Chill uh, into a whole vat of that's a mixture of like the Lazarus Pit, Joker Venom, all sorts of stuff, in the hopes of turning him into a new Joker, which would be kind of wild. Joe Chill becoming the Joker would basically fulfill the '89 promise of you, uh, the kill of the pour, parents. If you poured in some Bane Venom into the Lazarus Pit, <laughs> what would ha- that would be? You come out jacked. That's what happens. Jacked. You come out as a jacked baby. (laughs) (laughs) So let's see. At the, uh, let's see. Uh, Oh, yeah. So Joker plans to dump him in there, and Joker burns the rope. However, Batman does not let him, and he ends up saving Joe Chill. The heart of the story isn't really the Joker so much as the trauma of the hero's Batman, Batgirl, the Red Hood, but Batman especially with this whole subplot with Joe Chill, who 
is hinted at already has figured out that Batman is Bruce Wayne and all he wants to do is achieve forgiveness. And in a twist, a very poignant twist, that's what he gets as Bruce Wayne is by Joe Chill's bedside at the end as he dies and holds his hand and is there on the gravestone, probably a gravestone that he bought for Joe Chill on that, showing that he has possibly forgiven his parents' killer. Why? Well, the last remaining Joker of the three Jokers says, quote, I healed your greatest wound, so now I can be your greatest pain. So that's why he made that happen. And that wraps up the Joker-Joe Chill connection. What do you guys think? What is your favorite takes on the killer? Starting with Zach. Um, so I would say out of everything that we talked about, my heart says that it's 89 like Jack Napier mm. because I really, I like that connection. And, and to me as a kid, that was the first Batman thing I ever saw. So I just took that as, you know, the Bible. Like, that's that's what it is. I didn't understand that it was a controversial change to mm -hmm. uh, the comic book lore. And I like that. I like that connection between them. I imagine he's really young, like Jack Napier. He could be like 16 or something at the time. Mm -hmm. um, so there's not so much of an age gap. But... That is a well now knowing what I know, <laughs> hey, you know he's rising up in the mob. He's a sadistic <laughs> little son of a bitch. But I would My say balls that just dropped. now that's that, why he's smiling. <laughs> now, knowing what I know now, uh, my favorite story um, is like Chill of the Night, and mm -hmm. I really like the Batman Brave and the Bold uh, version of it, where it has like Batman's Rogues Gallery. To me, I I, I like that. It feels classic and. It feels like a good uh, fitting end to Joe Chill, especially in that one, because not only does he face the retribution of Batman's rogues, he also doesn't Batman like hold him when he dies. Kind of. So yeah. there's still that little bit of humanity in Batman. You know, to me, like I really like that. So those mm -hmm. are my two favorites. Yeah. Andrew, did you have any favorites? The nostalgia is going to win with Batman 89 for sure. Interesting. Uh, okay. There's just nothing. I don't know. It's, it's Batman 89. What can you say? But uh, after that, I think I liked the last one a lot. The three jokers one. I need to mm -hmm. read that now. That was, that was really uh, a poignant ending is what it looked yeah. like. Yeah. We, we were, you were covering that for a bit and then we stopped cause we got sidetracked, I guess. But mm -hmm. uh, we were covering that in the Patreon saving it for, for this one. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> You buried the lead for a long time, like over a year or something. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I think that that one probably, mm -hmm. um, if, if it's not eighty nine. Yeah, I I grew up with eighty nine, but I also grew up with the audio cassette tape of the Untold Legend of the Batman, which did a retelling of the Joe Chill story. So my heart is always set in the original Bill Finger Joe Chill story, right down to you know him taking off the mask. So any variation of that, whether it's the original story or Untold Legend or Chill of the Night, any of those versions will probably be, be my favorite. Uh, if I were to go to one that's in my personal like headcanon, it would probably be uh, along the lines of what Greg Hurwitz and Gotham did, where he confronts the killer before he becomes Batman, because uh, it just seems to make sense there. But I really do enjoy a lot of these. I really love some of the, the different fates of Joe Chill, the Tom Mankiewicz one in the second draft. Uh, in particular, or the Ty Templeton, the DCAU one, where like Batman just doesn't know who the hell he was and he's forever a mystery 
to them. Like there's there's merit in so many of these. It's hard to pick like one uh, of those. But that's why we have a whole episode on the many killers of the Waynes. So with that, that is superhero stuff you should know. We have a few fan comments for everyone, starting with Carter Shopes. Carter, you've sent us a lot of comments, uh, and this one was on, Was Adam West the Greatest Batman? Our deep dive into Batman Return of the Cape Crusaders. Carter says, quote, You guys ought to make a best Robin video. Like, which one of the four slash five is best? I'm going to ask, do you mean which Robins, as in Dick Grayson, Jason Todd, Tim Drake, or do you mean which Dick Grayson actor? Is the best because you've got Douglas Croft, Johnny Duncan, Burt Ward, Chris O'Donnell, Brenton Thwaites. I'm not really going to count Jiggles. I'm not gonna really going to count Joseph Gordon-Levitt on that, but Jiggles. let us know. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't really yeah, count. Yeah, I'd be up for Chris it. Chris O'Donnell, dude, he's the best, bro. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's go into the next one. This is from uh, Oliver Emeralds. Oliver commented on our Batman 5 deep dive where we talked about Batman Dark Knight. Oliver says, quote, guys, I am begging you, please get Mark Protosevich, the screenwriter of Batman Unchained, for an interview. You guys do a very fantastic job explaining the smallest of details. I know you can make it happen. Well, thank you. Uh, just like you, I have been researching the Batman Unchained movie. WB should wrap up the Burton Schumacherverse by making a two-hour-long animated movie similar to the DC original movies using the same style. It is a shame that the script never saw the light of day. It's high time WB released the script. I hope they release the Schumacher cut, and his interest makes them move forward with Unchained. Also, with the new multiverse of movies, this would be a problem. So, cool. I agree. I think that would be awesome. Yeah. How and, awesome uh, would it be to have a... If Batman 89, the comic, is really successful, mm-hmm. if they had a Batman 95 yeah. comic and they continued, like, the Schumacher universe, I think that That's would be really cool. With Unchained, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. So, yeah, thank you, Oliver, for that. Uh, this last one is from Joseph, who was talking about our Batman Returns dive, saying, quote, These early drafts of Batman Returns are fascinating. There's good elements in both, but like the first movie, it's fascinating how we got to the final film. I like most of the satirical elements already in Batman Returns, but I do recognize that Daniel Waters' early drafts were way too self-aware and feel like his script for a demolition man. Uh, also, <laughs> Bruce feigning and the villains entering the Wayne Manor and Batcave is very reminiscent to what occurs in Batman Forever with Riddler and Two-Face. Great video, guys. Thank you, I loved, Joseph. I loved mm-hmm. Demolition Man when I was a kid, dude. <laughs> I thought that was one of the best movies I haven't seen it since then. <laughs> so that is it for the fan comments. Over to you, Andrew. Man, already, dude? We're at the end? It's crazy. Yeah. All right, so thanks for those comments, and thank you to our Patreon supporters who are Shasta, Leom O, Super Inframan, Douglas P, Dan D, Aaron Willett, Nick Noach... Jesse E, Jeffrey R, Scott V, Asgers Webb, Jeremy H, Alex of the What Mean Podcast, Ian Ian Justice, and our other supporters, Spark Geddon, SDCT Productions, Robert Schumann, Kooky Noms, Matt Herring, Elijah B, Shamrock Balls, Ian H, Walter the Wobot, John Wells, Rye Guy, and Jackson Putnam. Please join the Shasta Army. That's the $1 tier. Gets you a shout-out, but also... After that, you have the $5 tier. That's a whole other show. Cancel uh, any time. And uh, that's a show every Friday. And um, it's similar to the main show, but it's even deeper dive. So please check that out. Um, it's patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod for all that stuff. Get your merch, uh, which is uh, at 
superhousepod.redbubble.com, also superherostuffpod.threadless.com. We have all manner of Bin Man and indeed Wizard mugs, shirts, and shower curtains working on getting the, the Jokula. What is it? Zacula? Zacula. Jokula. <laughs> Jokula. Uh, we're working on that. those uh, coming out soon. That, and that artwork is by Wolfie Cruz. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also see that on our website, superherostuffpod.com. Um, but uh, also, please send us any kind of audio that you could ever dream of to superhousepodcast.gmail.com, and you too can be on the show. And we'd love you to animate our sketches and just hashtag them at the bottom throughout the duration of the video if you don't mind. But yeah, we would love to see these sketches that we've made uh, you know, brought to life with animation, so that would be awesome. And um, I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter. Thunderwolf lives on uh, YouTube, and I talk about all kinds of Japanese stuff there. And I'm Thunderwolf. I'm on ThunderwolfDrew.com. My whole portfolio is there. Also, I'm working on. I'm in pre-production for a film now called Amano Recon. It's A-M-A-N-O-R-E-C-O-N.com. And you can see what we're up to there. We're in pre-production, which is which means the planning stages, and uh, it's basically. Think of an R-rated Power Rangers meets X-Files. So there's Power Rangers. Well, they're not Power Rangers, but they're inspired by that. And then there's aliens involved, and that's where the X-Files thing comes in and, and stuff like that. I can't reveal too much other than that, but uh, Zach did a, a fucking awesome poster for that. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not a fan film. It's an original, con- it's original idea, and uh, it will be on Indiegogo at some point in the future. And that's it for me, Ben. Cool. Thank you. Uh, another shout-out as well to Comic Capital on Instagram, as well as the Everything Entertainment Club on Clubhouse. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at SuperHousePod. But for every other social media, we are Superhero Stuff Pod. Instagram, Superhero Stuff Pod. TikTok, Superhero Stuff Pod. Vero, for Snyder fans, Superhero Stuff Pod. Uh, my website is benwanwriter.com. My YouTube channel is in the description below, along with a link to the upcoming kids comic Early Bird at earl-e-bird.com, where we are revamping the art on a new edition that is uh, on its way. Anyway, my personal Instagram is benwanwriter. My son's Instagram, my cat, Alfie, is at alfiepennyworthcat. And uh, if you have a cat yourself, then get Whiskerbox. For every month, you get a special box for your feline friend and if you don't have a cat but you have a dog then you can get bark box which is the same thing but for dogs and if you like dogs as we <laughs> talked about in the promo then you can check out our link for bark box it is in the description below as well as what we said in that promo uh you can check out a lot of our f- affiliate links at superhero stuff pod.com slash li- shop not the least of which are whisper bidets <laughs> yes <laughs> we are we are affiliates affiliates with whisper bidets bidets for your hiney as yes, Zach's Joker said. So yes, the days for your honey. Yes, whisper. <laughs> so and, we wanted uh, to get tushy, but they they, w- they wouldn't have us. We don't need them anyways. Yes, yeah. we got whisper bidets instead. We'll never get them now, Zach. <laughs> All right, and then over to Zach. Well, if you'd like to see more of my artwork, you can go to ZacharyJacksonBrownArt.com. And you can also follow me on TikTok, on Instagram, and on YouTube. Just look up Zachary Jackson Brown Art. That's it. Yep, we can see more of Zach's art here. 
for those who are part of the $5 Patreon tier, we are going to do a deeper dive into the evolution of Wayne Murders. All the stuff that I cut from this episode is going to be for you guys, since you guys are our patrons. So, specifically, the different movies they saw before their deaths, like The Nun's Story. <laughs> um, the dates of their deaths have been differing. The time that they were killed. The location was first called Tr Crime Alley. When was that? Uh, as well as where did the pearls first come in? Why did they even want to go to the movies in the first place? That will all be explained in the Patreon episode for the evolution of the Wayne murders. And I believe that is it. Fuck yeah, man. <laughs> hey. I want you to... <laughs> Dropping those f bombs, sir. <laughs> so many goddamn f bombs in this motherfucker. <laughs> Why do you gotta fucking? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to do us a favor. I want you to tell all your friends about us. What are you? Indeed. <laughs> Superhero stuff you should know is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network.